0: Hello and welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, the show which talks about the technologies, projects, and startups driving decentralization and the global cryptocurrency revolution. My name is Sébastien Couture and I'm Brian Fabian Crane.
1: Welcome to uh, to our 38th episode. Today, our guest is Flavien Charlon. He's the founder of Colored Coin uh, Wallet Coin Prism. So Colored Coins allow people and organizations to securely issue and trade uh, real-world assets like commodities, stocks, bonds on the Bitcoin network. Um, If you think of the kind of new Ethereum, etc. protocols, Colored Coins was sort of the first instance of something like that. Uh, They recently won the Global Startup Challenge at the Bitcoin Foundation uh, Conference in in May in Amsterdam. And he's also involved, or he's also the founder of the Predictions, which is a Bitcoin-based prediction market. So he has eight years' experience in software engineering at Microsoft, building large-scale distributed systems. Graduate of the Ecole Centrale Lyon, where he received a uh, master in engineering. So it's great to have you on, Fabien.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for joining us, Fabien. Uh, so you're in Dublin right now, right?
2: Yeah, in Dublin, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh,
0: so you, you've been based there for how long? Uh, for
2: seven years, actually.
0: Oh, cool! It's about the time I got to France. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll get to uh, talk to Flav- uh, to Flavian in a few minutes about Color Coins, Open Asset Protocol, Coin Prism, uh, all that stuff. Uh, first, we just want to mention a couple of things. So first of all, we mentioned this last week. Uh, our regulatory affairs correspondent Sharon Jones is going to be at Inside Bitcoins London on September fifteenth and sixteenth, doing some interviews for us there and recording some interesting talks. Uh, that conference is uh, taking place in london and so there are some very interesting uh, uh talks there uh centered around crypto law you know, kind of bitcoin 2.0 a lot of bitcoin 2.0 focused stuff uh happening at uh, inside bitcoins london and Flavien, you're gonna be there as well right yeah
2: i will be on the uh, uh altcoin panel
0: so i will be there and
2: if somebody wants to talk to me there or you know, uh chat with me, you can uh, contact me uh on Twitter at, at Conprism and we'll be happy to meet
0: people. Cool. And um, so there we have a ten percent discount code and that uh discount code is Epic IBC fourteen. Epic IBC fourteen if you want ten percent off Inside Bitcoins London, it'll also be on our SoundCloud page and in our show notes if you didn't get that. Um also I'm happy to announce that there is a the first francophone Bitcoin conference in Europe, as far as I know, happening in Paris on October 8th. It's called EuroBitcoin. You can find it at eurobitcoin.org. It's uh, organized by the French Bitcoin Association uh, in coordination with the Belgian Bitcoin Association and the Swedish Bitcoin Association. And it's a one-day event. So it's happening October 8th at the very prestigious... Bibliothèque Nationale de France and we have a 10% discount code as well for that, it's Epicenter and there will be uh, many talks there in French and in English we've got some guests, uh, some speakers already confirmed such as uh, John Matonis, Gavin Andresen but also some very famous uh, 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 French politicians intellectuals, uh, economists and uh, it should be a great event and so again there's a 10% discount code if you want to Go to that, and if you're in Paris, it's uh, epicenter. And, that's and, and you're moderating Bitcoin. a board. panel, no? I am moderating. I'm I'm going to be uh, moderating a VC panel, which is gonna also going to have a startup showcase. Cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there's also going to be some guys. The guys from Maison du Bitcoin will be there as well, and everybody from uh, from Paymium, like all, all the French Bitcoin startups, will be there. Uh, as well as some uh, some Americans. Uh, Josh Metnick from uh, the Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times will be there as well. Uh, who else? Uh, Gavin Andreessen might be coming. Haven't confirmed that yet, but uh, should be coming. And Flavien will be there as well. Yes, we'll be there, yeah. So, diving into colored coins. Flavien, can you give us a brief introduction to as to what colored coins are?
2: Yeah, so basically with Bitcoin, what you can do, you can send... Uh, essentially cash from one point to another uh, through the Bitcoin network. And that's very convenient for that. You, you have low fees and uh, it's, it's pseudonymous. Uh, and you don't have to go through any uh, bank or any uh, institution. It's like peer-to-peer. And basically, the concept behind Qualotcoin is to re- reuse this whole infrastructure to uh, essentially send uh, assets like real-world assets through the same network. So instead of just being able to send cash or like Bitcoin, you you can send gold, you can send euros, you can send uh, maybe uh, shares, etc. So that's, that's the whole concept behind
0: colored coins. And can you kind of dive into what are some of the types of applications that uh, we can use colored coins for?
2: Yeah, so uh, there are quite a few actually because uh, basically everything that has a value in like uh, in the in the real world can be represented as a collot coin. So uh, I guess the the first example is the uh, the example of um uh, shares so like uh, crypto equity. So if a business wants to do an IPO on the blockchain, they would basically just issue some shares uh, represented by collot coins. And they would sell those shares, so like let's say they issue 1 million shares and sell every share for $1, and that's a way to raise $1 million, and then that share is is a token that you have on the blockchain, uh, it's, an, it's in your Bitcoin wallet, and then you can uh, send it to somebody across the world, or uh, you know, just send it to your friends, um, and you can do that very easily, the same way you can send Bitcoin. So that's, that's a very, uh, that's kind of the application that's uh, very popular at the moment because we see a number of IPOs. So the colored coin had a few IPOs so far, but I guess the biggest one are, are on different platforms like counterparty, but it's basically the same concept. Uh, and there are more, uh, more use cases. So, uh, one, one very useful use case would be to have us dollars, uh, represented by colored coins. So let's say a company could, uh, so yeah, for example, one thing that's happening, uh, in Africa is that, uh, with M-Pesa, they, you have, um, you have a phone company, which, which is like, with, they have like, uh, like dollars that re- represented by phone credit. And this phone credit is, uh, is being exchanged as a currency. So this would be the same concept here. So let's say you would have a company which would issue credit, which, which represent dollars. And then you would be able to use those tokens as real dollars because you can always spend it uh, at that company. Um, so yeah, dollars, currencies, euros, etc., uh, and also commodity like gold, silver could be represented by colored coins. And uh, yeah, going fur- further, you could represent also a percentage of ownership of a house, or a, yeah, or like a property like that.
1: It's called smart property. So I know colored coins has been around for a really long time i think it's older than right all these other projects that we've now you know seen getting a lot of uh, attention can you uh, tell us a little bit about the history of color coins like w- when did it first originate and how has it developed since then
2: yeah so i think it was described for the first time in a blog post in 2012 and uh, originally yeah the concept was really uh, what the name uh i mean what what it sounds like with the name so you, t- you take uh satoshi or a few satoshis and you tag them so that you can track them through the blockchain and so you basically color uh in like uh, li- not literally but like you color some uh, satoshis and track them on the blockchain and you can always recognize them so uh after this blog post i mean there there was a team or like a few people who came together and uh, started to work on a uh, on a client uh, the uh uh NGCCC was the name next generation Current coin client which was later renamed in chroma wallet and uh, so they it's uh, it's basically a wallet that you download so it's open source you download it and then you download the blockchain and then it works off the blockchain uh but yeah, it was never really marketed very well, and uh, it was never really also ready for production. So they never—they always recommended to just use it on testnet. Uh, so I mean, people were—and you know—it takes—it wasn't really ready for uh, the end user. So it was taking a lot of setup; uh, was complicated to set up. So it—it it didn't. I guess at this point, that's when it got overtaken by uh, Mastercoin uh, initially, before Counterparty existed. Um, And yes, so then uh, more recently, uh, we founded Coin Coin Prism. So we started working on that uh, end of last year, 2013. And we took a different approach. Instead of going with a downloadable wallet that you run on your own machine, we took the the approach of uh, uh, building a a web wallet. So the same model as blockchain.info. So it's all web-based, but still we don't store the keys. The keys are encrypted with a password. And uh, we don't have the password, so there's even if we get hacked, there is no the keys are not leaked because uh, it's the same model as blockchain.info. Uh, but the difference with blockchain.info is that we uh, we basically uh, work with Colored Coins, so you can use CoinPrism to issue coins like Colored Coins. You can create your own Colored Coins and issue them, and you can send and receive the Colored Coins and store them as well. Um, so yeah, we released that uh, in May last, uh, this year, and then now we are adding more features. So we add, we've added the dividends feature, so you can send dividends to, like, uh, to people who own a specific coin. Um, and also uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last week actually, we released a new feature for crowd sales. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a convenient way to run crowd sales. So if you have you want to raise some money with a crowd sale, you basically create a color address, and then people send Bitcoin to that address. And then uh, the, the feature on prism will automatically return uh, colored coin uh, in exchange for the Bitcoin you send. So if you send uh, one Bitcoin and the colored coins are uh, 0.1 uh, Bitcoin per colored coin, let's say, that's the price of the share. Then you're gonna get back ten uh, colored coin uh, automatically from that. So that's uh, and so that's a way to run a crowd sale campaign. And also we're we've just released uh, yesterday actually uh, Color Core, which is a, a downloadable wallet, uh, which is also open source. Uh, it's only command line and JSON at the moment, but it's uh, very convenient for integrating with a server. So if you want to build an application that uses colored coin, then it's easy to integrate with that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's compatible with the open assets protocol.
0: Now, how can you kind of explain how a, a colored coin gets tagged as a colored coin on the Bitcoin blockchain? And perhaps that would be a good segue into how colored coins are different from other projects like Brian mentioned, like Counter Priority, MasterCoin, etc.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so there are like more than one way to skin a cat. So there are many ways to implement colored coins. And the Chroma Wallet actually implements a different way than us. So we have a more, uh, uh, like a more recent, more modern uh, implementation, which kind of solves some of the issues that the older implementations had. And so now, uh, but basically the, the thing that they have in common, all the implementations of conlot coins is that they work at the output level. So uh, it's it's a very thin layer on top of Bitcoin. You know, with Bitcoin, you have outputs and the uh, uh, every output has a value and then colordcoin adds uh instead of just having a bitcoin value it also had has an asset type and uh, an asset uh, value uh so this is this is how colordcoin works and so that allows uh uh Coin to work with uh, unconfirmed transactions and uh you know spv and uh, all all the, the nice things that come out of the box with bitcoin so uh, on the other hand, counterparty and MasterCoin take a different approach. So they, it's address-based instead of being uh, output-based. So uh, when you send something, it's, uh, it goes into an address, but uh, there's no output representing that necessarily. So it's, um, you basically have to parse the whole blockchain uh, to see every transaction, every counterparty transaction, for example. And because every single transaction could affect the whole the, the global state, and I guess uh, more, uh, more imp- like another important difference is the fact that Mastercoin and Counterparty, um, they use uh, an intermediate coin, so XCP with Counterparty and MSC with Mastercoin, and some of the features of the protocol requires this intermediate coin, whereas uh, with Coin it, it's directly based on Bitcoin, so there is no, there is no uh, like uh, potential for pump and dump because it's all based on Bitcoin. Or at least, uh, yeah. Or we could pump and Bitcoin, I guess. But it's not really. Uh, it's
1: past uh, that stage. So um, uh, one of the thing I th- things I find really interesting about uh, a lot of these projects, you know, be it like a kind of Party Mastercoin, Ethereum, or many others, is that you know they create their own currency that's in use on that platform, and of course, the powerful thing is that you can turn this into uh, a a way to uh, a monetization scheme, really, because the the platform becomes used and the currency appreciates in value. And that also has allowed projects like Mastercoin and uh, Ethereum, uh, I guess, not counterparty because they they, they burnt the currency to issue it, but others have raised money that way in order to finance the development and then people invest, hoping it will succeed. So I think this is a really powerful dynamic. Yeah, um, and it it seems Color Coins is a bit as a, at a disadvantage. They're not having that. Uh, do you view that the same way, or do you think there are also perhaps advantages to not having a currency?
2: Well, th- I think the advantage is for the user because um, you have to please both the so for like uh, counterparty and Ethereum and all those alternatives. You have to please both the investor and the users uh but uh, at the same time the money has to come from one uh, side and go to the other one so uh you can see that with mastercoin you know they are they're kind of struggling to uh, to uh, to have the uh, the coin appreciate because you know the co- the value has been going down for a long time and uh, they're kind of making more and more features not require any mastercoin to use so then the price is going down so i think it's kind of a it's kind of a sick like a, a cycle so i mean if it works it works but if it doesn't work it doesn't work um and you know mastercoin is kind of showing that it may it may not be actually such a good idea on the long term because you know it started very well they raised a lot of money the coin was very was very high but then uh you know as as the value was going down for one reason or another uh the pro- people started to, uh, you know, um, abandon the protocol. You know, not use it anymore. So they're basically just using it so that it gives a value to the coin. But if the coin loses its value, they just abandon the ship and st- stop using it altogether.
1: But but don't you don't you think that may have other reasons? Maybe it just doesn't work as well. People abandon it, and then the value decreases. In which case, it's sort of well, that's just an expression, perhaps, of of the utility of Mastercoin and the prospects of it, rather than. Being intimately tied to it declining or, or, or do you think mastercoin having a coin actually contributed to it losing uh, some of its momentum
2: see actually so maybe I know m- many people don't share that opinion, but what I think is that um, I mean it's kind of a fact that you can you can fork uh, mastercoin or any of those projects you can fork it so there is kind of a uh there is kind of an end game where if it becomes very successful, somebody is going to fork it and make it just a little bit better in one way or another, just because of the fact that it's not as expensive maybe. And then people might just move like the new users are going to want to use the new, uh, the new protocol because it's just cheaper and it gives the same features. So there's always this risk of forking and, um, sooner or later, if one of those protocols becomes very successful, then it will be forked. And you can see that even with Ethereum, actually, that uh, there is this Ethereum thing coming up and using the Bitcoin distribution for the... And this is giving kind of... Well,
1: I I don't know if I I totally agree with you. So, I mean, I think one one factor that's really important here is to what extent are there network effects? Because, you know, once there are a lot of, let's say, application services built on a certain platform, then maybe it's not so easy to leave. Because with Bitcoin, we really have the same situation, right? You, I mean, you could say, well, all those Bitcoins are in the hand of a few. Why don't I just uh, fork the project, distribute Bitcoin more widely, and then everybody should switch over to me? Well, but it doesn't work like that because Bitcoin has, has built up this mass and infrastructure and ecosystem so it is almost, it's very difficult to get people to switch over to something else, even if it may be slightly better. Uh, and and I guess it's unclear. I mean, I totally agree the risk exists of that happening, but it may not, right? I think it's just sort of a, an unknown and we'll see.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the, the network effect is basically what you're, uh, is actually the, the actual value of the coin. So that's why Bitcoin is is, so, is is the best at the moment because it's the most used. And this is why colored coin actually has a, has a good advantage on that side because it's using the, the whole uh, network effect uh, from Bitcoin. And, you know, the other ones, they, they may not have a, such a strong network effect yet. And it's, it's hard to tell.
1: Can you explain how uh, colored coins benefits from the network effect of Bitcoin?
2: Yeah, so, well, basically, um, it's using the Bitcoin blockchain. So, uh, and if you want to to um, to, to make a Cardano coin transaction, you have to pay the transaction fees in Bitcoin, which is like the normal mining fees. And anybody with Bitcoin can use Colonel coin. So it's kind of, if you only have Bitcoin and that's the only thing you have, and you 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 know there is a barrier to buying something else, then the only thing you can use, or or the easiest thing you can use is Cardano coin because you don't have to buy anything; you just make a transaction. That's a, that's a little uh, you know a little bit different, but then you are using colored coin without having to buy any other coin.
1: Okay, so yeah, you have a lower barriers to entry because you can you don't have to go through an intermediate currency.
0: Yes. Now there's been some talk about different so there's different colored coin wallets. Uh, there's uh, the Chroma wallet. Uh, there's also Coin Prism and 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 others. And the, one of the criticisms has been that. Uh, those wallets are not necessarily compatible with each, with each other. And I think you may have mentioned this to me before when we met uh, in London, that uh, the Colored Coins implementation that you use allows for, essentially, shares to be issues that aren't necessarily matched to a certain amount of Satoshi. So if one Satoshi could be worth you know, X amount of shares, whereas other Colored implementations, one share is at least one Satoshi. Uh, and so that causes perhaps some, some problems moving forward uh, to... Uh, uh help this network effect uh of colored coins becoming more and more used can you um comment on that
2: yeah so um yeah basically we have this uh, we use a protocol called uh, open Asset, and uh, so it, it's kind of building on to, uh, like building on what the previous implementations of colored coins have been doing but uh, improving in some areas so the, the one, uh, one of the areas is the one you're mentioning And uh, so with the previous implementations, it was like the color, the the asset value was linked to the Satoshi value. So if you wanted to issue, uh, let's say, um, 100 million shares, you would at least have to have 100 million Satoshis. And this is one Bitcoin. So it becomes capital intensive at some point. And uh, you could also make the argument that if uh, Conlot Coin becomes very, very successful, then you're going to run out of Satoshis at some point. So what we did in the uh, like instead of uh, of doing that, we're encoding the the amounts directly in, in an op return output. So op return is a new feature that's supported since uh, Bitcoin zero zero uh, point nine, uh, so that's kind of news from this year. But uh, using that, we can encode any number. So if you want to issue a trillion shares, then you can do that, and you only need uh, the minimum output value, which is six hundred satoshis. So, regardless of the amount you so want... So, essentially,
0: to... you're attaching metadata to the transaction, and that metadata is, is what represents the amount of shares, yeah, exactly. regardless of how many Satoshis you're sending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's
1: interesting, because because I always... I think I explained color coins to people many times, because it's sort of the easiest way to explain this Bitcoin 2.0 idea, right? Like, the especially the shares idea, right? So, you take some some Bitcoin and then you say, oh, this represents a company now and, and all the inputs, uh, all the the money, the outputs then in the future represent parts of the company. You can go back through the blockchain and track that, etc. Uh, and I, I totally wasn't aware. I, I'd always thought of it as this, you know, you take 50% of that original, um, the origin transaction, or, or how do you call it?
2: uh genesis transaction
1: yeah the genesis transaction and, and then that's 50 percent of the companies so i i totally wasn't aware that that uh people have moved away from that or, or that you have moved away from that
2: yeah so i mean th- this is because uh you know the val the the, u- the usefulness of uh so basically yeah what what colonel coins are it's like a paper money basically because you use something to represent something else so it's like a paper money and the utility of a paper money is Increases with the uh, uh, as the the value of the medium decreases, so this is why you know now we have banknotes because instead of coins you know we have less and less coins and more and more banknotes because it's cheaper to manufacture the banknotes because the paper is cheap whereas with the coin it's uh, the metal is more expensive so you know the uh, paper money is, is becomes more useful when the paper becomes cheaper so this is why we're doing that so you you always only need 600 satoshis or the minimum that can be uh, transacted and then you can put whatever value you want on it so like the ratio the efficiency increases
1: a lot more so um, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, we touched a bit on the differences between, you know, dif- different protocols, counterparty, master coin, et cetera, and colored coins. I'm curious, are, are there certain types of applications that can be built on uh, colored coins that you think will be better on colored coins? And, and do you feel there are other types of things that perhaps would be better implemented on another type of platform?
2: So, in, yeah, in terms of the applications, like everything is possible on every platform, but uh, like the advantage that uh, Coins has compared to, let's say, counterparty and MasterCoin would be that uh, it's, it's, it's basically, it can use everything that the Bitcoin protocol can do out of the box. So things like SPV, you know, c- uh, simple payment verification, uh, Coin can do that. Um, also the payment micro channels uh so this is uh i think this was uh some, something that was first described by jeff garzik uh but it's basically a way to have um uh of blockchain transactions but still uh trustless so you have uh, between two peers so you can have uh like you, you basically uh let's say i send uh so alice sends some bitcoin to bob And then Bob sends some money back to Alice and so on and so forth. So you can use the payment microchannels to revise that balance very quickly. So many times per second. And it's always trustless. So if one of the party bails out, then the other party still has the money. They have the signed transaction to commit the money, but then it saves uh, it saves the, uh, a lot of the fees because you only pay the fees once you want to commit the transaction into the blockchain, and also it allows you to uh, to revise uh, the the amount very quickly, so you don't have to wait ten minutes. So this is the kind of things that you can do out of the box with Collot coins because it's based on outputs, and uh, Counterparty and Mastercoin uh, they cannot do that because they they kind of rebuilding some of the uh, some of the uh, the architecture so they they only use uh bitcoin as a timestamping mechanism but they there are many features that they they sort of replace by using their own protocol um but uh yeah so i mean in terms of the applications i think every every application can be done on every platform but then uh some platforms make it more convenient uh makes some uh yeah some apl- some things more convenient than, than the others so yeah
1: Okay, that, that makes sense to me, right? This micropayments channels where I guess you would have uh, uh, I mean, I always uh, was familiar with this in, in the example of, let's say, using a, a Wi-Fi network and you're paying by the kilobyte, right? So you, you would keep sending the new updated transaction. And then if at any time you're bored, the other person could send a tra- transaction that includes your payment up to that point. Um and and it makes sense to me, right? If you have a similar use case w- using color coins, then that that would be better, I guess, on that platform. Are, are there um, other applications that you feel would be better on, let's say, Ethereum? Because I, ge- I guess one issue, which Sebastian has kind of touched on, is the maybe interoperability. If, like, let's say now we have different color coins imp- implementations and they're not compatible, uh, do you th- do you think that could be... um a problem.
2: Um, so I guess they all fall under the Collot Coin uh, name uh, because they, it's kind of uh, fitting the same model. But in the end, there are still different implementations. So it, you know, you could also say that counterparty in a way, is Collot Coins, and Mastercoin, in a way, is also Collot Coins. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it's all different implementations. So yeah, I mean, Collot Coin, I guess, is broad. So it's uh, it's kind of encompasses uh, more than one implementation but yeah they, none of uh, like all the impl- all those implementations like uh, chroma wallet uh, open assets um, counterparty mastercoin they are not compatible but i think eventually probably there's going to be uh, probably one or two uh, implementation that are that are going to stay uh, that are going to attract all the uh, liquidity because uh, you know the liquidity tends to uh, to to you know uh, attract itself. So, you know, the more liquidity there is, the more liquidity comes.
1: So, so is your hope that now other people are going to build Colored Coins applications as well, using the same implementation you've used with CoinPrism, and that then those applications will be interoperable and, you know, you can use the same Colored Coins uh, on these different applications?
2: yes exactly so actually one of the design uh, decisions uh, one of the design goals for open assets was to make it very simple to implement Uh, and you know if you look at the specification it's uh, six pages uh, long so everything is described including some examples takes six pages so it's very simple to implement Uh, whereas if you look at mastercoin i think uh, when i looked at it there was i think 57 pages uh, describing the protocol so it's it's much more complex and it, it kind of makes it impossible pretty much to get, to make your own implementation. Uh, and we are actually seeing, uh, I mean, I was talking to other companies who were actually making their own implementation of open assets. So it's so simple that they can, uh, in a few days of work, they can go and implement it in their own language in their own programming language. So yeah, the goal is, was to make it very easy so that it's easy for people to integrate and to, to build their own service there's no dependency to another coin so they don't take a risk they it's not like they're betting on a specific coin the, the only thing they're betting on is uh, bitcoin basically and uh, yeah so that's the goal we wanted to make it easy for developers to integrate and i think that's that could be also uh, an asset for uh, for open assets
0: and so what's the i mean you've obviously talked to other uh, colored coin wallet uh, uh implementations out there what, what are, are they on board with your open asset protocol or not? Like what, what's the, what's the feedback you're getting from, uh, from some of your competitors?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the team from Chroma wallet, they, they said that they, they, they would look at make making it compatible, uh, with open assets. And also there's the iridis project, which also is going to support open assets. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's a. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably going to that direction at the moment. It's uh, it's hard to tell yet, but yeah, it's probably. Are, are they
0: contributing to the to the specification, or for for now, you're they the only one contributing to it?
2: Um, well, the specification actually now is is final, so that's also one difference with Counterparty and Mastercoin, where they have an always evolving uh, specification, whereas with op, uh, OpenAssets and coin it's uh, it's so simple that you can say, okay, now it's finished. We we support everything we want to support, and we're not going to we're not going to add any more features. That's all we need because we kind of take the minimal approach. Um, so, yeah. So, they, yeah, they did contribute. I mean, we, they, there was uh, like uh, back and forth, and you know, a number of iterations on the protocol. Uh, if you look on GitHub at the history, I mean, there there has been a lot of uh, modifications and a lot of iterations on the protocol. But yeah, it's kind of now it's kind of final. So, people can take a dependency on it, and they can they can be sure that in the in two years or in five years it's going to be the same. And you know the the code that exists today is still going to work in five years, whereas with uh, a Counterparty, uh, for example, they they have breaking changes uh, like maybe every two three weeks. So every two three weeks, everybody has to update their wallets, or they they kind of go out of consensus, and they you know it, it doesn't work anymore. So that's also a lot of maintenance for people implementing a Counterparty, and that's something we wanted to avoid.
1: Could this also be a problem, though? Let's say there are some things that maybe aren't optimal in the current protocol. It, would there be a way to change it in case, you know, you know some some changes will make it uh, more optimal?
2: Yeah, we could we could create a new version, so like a version two, which would be different and would have different features, and version one would would continue existing. So you know, maybe. Uh, the, the same way you can have HTML4 pages on the web and HTML5 at the same time, and everything still works, you would have the same. So you would have some open assets version one transactions and some open assets version two, which would coexist. And that wouldn't uh, really split the liquidity because uh, you would still, everything is still based on Bitcoin. So this is uh, so you, yeah, you do have this ability. Whereas again, with counterparty, uh, if you'd create a new version, and want to keep the first version in existence then you split the liquidity into so yeah this is also something that's uh, that's possible with open assets and colored coin in general
0: cool uh, perhaps we can move on to talk about coin prism um, can you sort of give us uh, uh, a little bit of a history and how you how you got started how you got involved with uh, call it coins and and uh, your idea for coin prism
2: yeah. So my uh, I, originally I had actually. So I was working on predictions, and then um, uh, I had this idea that uh, you could have uh, kind of options like uh, American style options on predictions, because uh, so it's uh, and you w- there would be a collateral paid in dollars. Uh, so that, then that simplifies a lot the, uh, the counterparty risk if you if you do that. But then that requires people from depositing dollars on two predictions. And uh we didn't want to touch fiat money at all. We didn't want to accept uh bank deposits or PayPal or stuff like that, like because you know it's uh, it becomes very complicated and there's a lot of risk associated to that. So then I, I that's when uh we thought that colored coin would be a good uh a good way to achieve that. So with colored coin you would have colored coin that's represents dollars and you would be able to deposit that on predictions and then you have a dollar balance. And you can, you can withdraw that onto your Bitcoin wallet. So everything remains in the crypto world on the Bitcoin blockchain, but still you have dollars on your account. But uh, yeah, we were still far from that. Uh, there, was, uh, there was the Chroma Wallet implementation, which was uh, progressing very slowly. And the, yeah, there was, uh, there was MasterCoin at the time, but uh, it was also very, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the fact that you require a separate currency uh, I didn't want to introduce yeah dependency to a separate currency. I just wanted to stay within the Bitcoin, uh, like like strictly within the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem. I would say. Uh, so that's that's when I decided to. Um, I figured that maybe there was uh, something to be done with Coin to make it more user friendly, and yeah. So basically, uh, that's how we got the idea to to build a web wallet um and uh, yeah so it took uh, it took a few months uh, and then we we released the beta uh, in march i think um so it was test uh, testnet first and then we went mainnet and then in uh, in may actually just a week of the amsterdam conference we released the the like the the final version so like like the yeah the the live version onto mainnet and yeah so we launched at this point and then we had just uh, we, we just had, at the time, the ability to issue and receive and send assets, but then we've added a bunch of new features since then. So like I was talking about earlier, uh, the ability to send dividends uh, and also the ability to um, to run crowd sale campaigns.
1: So so is it just you working on the project or do you have a co-founder, other developers?
2: Yeah, I have a co-founder. Uh, so we're two of us, just, just two of us. I'm, I'm the main developer though.
1: Okay, and is there a business model behind Coin Prism?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, the idea is that uh, Coin Prism, the wallet itself, will remain free, and the tools that we're building, like the um, yeah the the block explorer, uh, is also going to remain free. So we uh, yeah we released the block explorer in August. Uh, but uh, yeah, the business model is to build an exchange, basically, where you, people will be able to list their coins. So if i'm a company i want to raise some money i can create, i can issue a million coins and list it on the exchange and sell and let's say put a sell order uh with a million coin like sell a million coin for one dollar each and then people can come in and and buy let's say two coins three coins ten coins uh and that that's a way to make an i p o and then at the same time after the i p o is finished people can still buy and sell the coins uh on a on a free market and uh then we would uh take a transaction fee for, for for that service. So the same way you pay a transaction fee to Bitstamp when you go and buy Bitcoin, you would pay a transaction fee here.
1: So I, I guess this may be a, a good way uh, or a good moment to dive into something very briefly. I don't know to what extent you thought about it, but it's something I've been thinking about quite a lot recently, which is the whole legal side to this. Now, I, I know it, it makes a lot of sense to sort of say, oh, I'm going to issue my stocks. Uh, on a blockchain, and I can pay dividends, and I can just IPO immediately. I don't have to wait until I'm like uh, a five hundred million dollar company. Uh, it's cheap. We, you know, you can avoid the whole regulation. But at the at the same time, it, this just seems to be no way that this is going to be. Uh, that this is going to be accepted, right? Because it's just so obviously is is against uh, current securities laws and, and you know i think pretty much every country so so i'm, I'm wondering uh, what do you think is the use case for this who would actually do that because because i have a hard time seeing for example regular startups taking advantage of a of something like that
2: yeah so you're absolutely right uh you you cannot sell uh, like equity like uh yeah, you cannot you cannot sell equity because that would be that would fall under the SEC regulations, and you would probably uh, be in big troubles if you did that. Uh, but one thing you can do is uh, sort of go around that and not offer equity, but offer a token that gives access to a service. Uh, so this is a bit like Kickstarter, you know how they're doing. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not actual equity that you're buying, uh, but yes, yeah, something like that. So and this is actually uh something that uh, swarm was doing recently they had an ipo where they sold uh, swarm coins which give you access to uh give you access to uh more coins basically i mean it's, it's a more complicated model but yeah and then MadeSafe also did that where you you get coins which then you can use to access the mate network so as long as it's not equity it's fine uh so it you know you, you you basically have to and this is you know Ethereum has been very careful in, in specifying that in their IPO saying that you you're not buying any equity. Uh, also you you need to make sure that you're not uh giving dividends because yeah dividends is um it's a legal term so you know you can do revenue share uh things like that uh but you know if it's if it's dividend then yeah the word dividend actually has a legal, uh legal actually a legal meaning so you cannot call it really a dividend, but you know, if it's a revenue share or interest, uh, then that's fine. So yeah, there are some ways to sort of go around it, but yeah, obviously you need to be careful and you need to check with the lawyer, uh, that, that you're doing something that you're allowed to do.
1: are you aware of anyone basically creating or, or, or looking into creating legal entities, uh, that then would kind of issue some tokens that can be traded? I guess that would be another sort of roundabout, right? But that you would have them some sort of redeemable or perhaps the company would have an extra contract that would give certain rights to the owners of of these uh, crypto tokens. Uh, I mean, it, I, I, I presume this would also be very risky from a regulatory perspective. Uh, but I'm curious if people are actually trying to do this.
2: So you mean people trying to uh, issue actual shares, yeah?
1: Yeah, actually, well, so I, I guess another thing, another problem would be even, even if you say I'm going to IPO my company on colored coins, uh, if there is no recognition of this in a court of law, of course, who stops the company then from just saying, oh, I don't care anymore now, uh, these are all worthless and the company is totally mine and anyone who bought those shares, they don't have any rights. So uh, to have... Uh, f- first of all, I guess you would have to address the the SEC problem or the problem of of not selling securities. And the other thing is, you'd have to somehow uh, give people the ability to actually have similar rights that they have in their own shares. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You're right, actually. And uh, I think this those two come together. So uh, the the reason why it's not allowed uh, is precisely because there's no protection against people investing. So I think if it becomes legal then you would you would have at the same time legal protection it kind of goes hand in hand so you ca- you cannot have any expectation that when you buy your made safe coin or ethers that that you will have a return uh, on investment and actually it's um, yeah it, ethereum actually was very good uh, when defining that because you know they have this uh, long uh, prospectus and they they actually you know clearly say that uh, you cannot have uh, in expectation uh, that the coin is going to be worth anything or that the, the software will even be released. And I think at the moment, that's the only way to have a legal uh, um, IPO in quotes. Uh, that's by saying that, you know, you, there is no guarantee that uh, this is going to be worth anything. It's more like a-
1: And of course the Ethereum guys also, right? They, they define it as, as a product. So they said, well, we're, we're pre-selling a product, which of course is somewhat uh, you know i i think the people who actually bought it they didn't think of it as a product they thought of it much more as a share like thing but from a legal standpoint of course that's not you can't sell that so they they phrase it as a product as you correctly put it and and then they also say there's no guarantee so so yeah it's interesting i guess how they found sort of a, a workaround but but of course you're totally right it gives you zero protection um
2: I think in the future, uh, well, it's maybe in the next five ten years uh, when the regulators start to look into that, uh, you know, slowly, uh, I'm sure that there they will be some kind of uh, framework. Uh, now the question is whether it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to make it impossible to do completely, or it's going to make it possible. But I think there is some possibility
0: that in the future it becomes uh, something that's possible to do. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because we we said that we were not going to talk about regulation today. And legal matters. <laughs> this, this, is, okay. this is a topic that we've been covering. I'm, I'm kidding, but it's just uh, regulation and, and legal matters always seem to come up in, in any discussion that we have with, with regards to this stuff. So. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's true, right? It is kind of a, uh, an uh, annoying topic at times, it keeps coming back. I feel this is though uh, one area of the regulation that we haven't talked so much about and that I think is sort of still ahead of us in that there haven't been any statements and all really is the whole, you know, there's been all this discussion on on Bitcoin as a currency, but the whole idea of like crypto securities and all that, that's really still ahead of us. I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to have lots of conversations in the future about the legal side of that, but uh, you know, I I agree that that's going to be probably, uh, (laughs) I don't think it's going to be that far down the line i think this is going to start pretty soon i mean people people Uh know about this and regulators i'm sure we will see statements soon i think we will see action taken against some projects as well um but but yeah let's not dive into that now
0: but (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh could you perhaps talk about some of the other uh, aspects of Coin Prism? So I'm on the wall. I'm on the website right now. Uh, uh, I just logged in. Um, one thing that's interesting is how you're handling the actual ownership of the keys. So you'll notice when you log in that there is no actual. There's no like forgot your password link. That's because your password is the passphrase and essentially which encrypts your wallet. Is it used as a seed or? or is it encrypting the keys that are then shared stored on your servers
2: yeah for now it's it's encrypting the keys that are stored on the server so similar to blockchain.info but yeah we, at some point we'll we will support also uh, hd wallets so it may be used as a seed uh, in the future but yeah for now it's uh, just encrypting the keys
0: okay well i mean that's an interesting security feature i, I, I think is uh, I, i'm not a security expert but I think is, is a good alternative to using uh, a seed, which you know you may lose or you may not be able to remember to log in easily. Um, so some of the other features when you when you first get onto the wallet, you have a main address and you have the ability to send coins and to uh, obviously create your 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 new color. Uh, the interface is really cool. I mean, I, I really like the uh, the user interface. It's quite simple to use. Um, and i noticed also there's uh there's a block explorer so can you tell us about your the coinprism.info which is a block explorer yeah so we released uh we
2: released that i think uh in uh, in august i think uh, first week of august so about a month ago and uh, this is this is a very uh, straightforward block explorer so the same as blockchain.info or uh, block uh, blockr.io uh, except uh, the difference is that it will show you the the coin transactions so if you look up a transaction that uh, was uh, in addition to sending bitcoin if it was also sending colorad coins then you will see it uh, on the on the on the like on the page so it will tell you so many uh, gold coins have been sent and same thing if you also if you have an issuance so if you issue like uh, 10 shares it's going to tell you how so many shares have been issued and there's also an asset directory where you can see uh, the uh, the most popular assets, uh, on like uh, most popular colored coins. Uh, so it gives you a list, and you can uh, you can click on any asset and see the details about that asset. So like the the definition, uh, what's what's the name, what's the what's the contract. So the contract is kind of uh, uh, the text uh, whereby the issuer explains uh, what the coin is supposed to be worth. So if if I'm issuing gold coins, I'm gonna say, okay, this is uh, gold that I store in my vault, and this my company is that company, and this is my re- registration number, uh, and this is where you can find me. I'm located here. So this is basically how you make yourself tr- trustworthy, and then you also have the ability to see all the uh, owners of a of a coin. So because it's all public on the on the blockchain. If you select any coin, you can go to, to that page I'm talking about, so coin holders, and it shows you all the addresses uh, and how many coins they own. So it's it's a way to see how many shareholders you have and what is the distribution of the coins.
0: Uh, that's really cool. I had noticed that you can actually go and look up the ownership. Now, I would invite you all to go to coinprism.info slash assets to see what the top coins are. Uh, the, the, the second one is, is quite interesting. <laughs> 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 yeah
1: so uh, i'm also I'm also curious I was playing around a little bit with CoinPism before and, and checking out the Explorer, et etc. So when you click, for example, on the last block in the Explorer, it seems to show you all Bitcoin transactions. Is that correct or
2: yeah it's uh, it's all the transactions in that block and if if there was one transaction that was uh, transacting assets, you would see it here as well. but in that case, I guess the last block that was or maybe there was, but it's in the in the later pages, you don't see it straight away.
1: Oh, so you you don't like filter this and and only show the the colored coins or the colored coins on top or something?
2: Uh, no, we d- we don't have have this feature. Although that's something we could add quite easily. Okay. For now, it just sh- it just shows you everything for now.
1: So when you do the original one, when you say I'm gonna, I uh, I think it's called create a color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does that involve making a transaction as well?
2: Yeah. So first of all, uh, the way it works uh, in CoinPersim is that you define the metadata. So the metadata will be the name, uh, the description, and then you can also upload uh, pictures. And that metadata obviously is going to be maybe uh, one or two kilobytes. So it's too large to be stored on the blockchain. So it will be hosted on the web and then when you do the actual, uh, so when you want to issue coins, that's when you do an actual Bitcoin transaction, and that's a single transaction which has, uh, so it's defined in the protocol how it should be, and uh, it basically says, okay, I'm creating so many coins, and I'm associating those coins with that definition, and then the way you associate it is by putting the URL to that definition file. Now that definition file, uh, if you use Coin Prism and, and uh, you want to you know, trade it out, it's going to host it on on our own servers so on Coinprism. But obviously, uh, it's it's only uh, an option. So if you have your own servers, and you, if you're serious about your coin, you should host that file onto your own server, and then put the link, uh, you have this, uh, you have a drop down where you can put the link when you issue the coins in Coinprism. So you put that link, and it's going to put your website in the blockchain. So then, uh, I mean, it's going to put the link to your website into the blockchain. So then, uh, clients, so yeah. And then the, the whole thing is that the clients like CoinPRISM or any other client, will, uh, see that in the blockchain. They will see the link and it would, fo- they will follow the link and see that file, which describes the coin. So yeah. So it's basically, are you
0: talking about the resource URL? Yes. Yeah. The resource URL, correct. Okay. Cause uh, I just created the episode of Bitcoin, uh, color coin and the Wait, resource I did URL for Oh. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, the resource URL doesn't need to be doesn't need to be a, an editable field. Uh
2: so there, in that case uh that's because you're editing it on coin prism server. But when you issue you can set uh so when you issue you have a selection, you can either use the definition that's on coin prism, in that case it uses that resource URL, or you can also enter your own URL, which in that case you uh, you put you can put whatever you want, but that's you select that at the point w- when you edit the. Oh, sorry, when you issue, when you do the issuance transaction.
0: Okay, I see. So
1: do you do you see a lot of you know are there people developing applications on top of colored Coin or already using uh, colored coins uh, issued through Coin Prism for to power some kind of uh, projects yeah. or crowd sales or I I don't know uh, what.
2: Yeah, so so far uh, there has been uh, a, a few uh, crowd sales. So there was uh, one. So uh, was called clipped. Uh, so it's a hair salon in Australia, and they they were uh, they are opening new locations, uh, like new shops. Uh, in, I think in in Melbourne and Sydney. So they wanted to raise some money. So then they sold some shares on Coinprism, and you can see it in the asset. Uh, in the asset directory, I think it's in the top uh, fifteen or something, and you can see like they sold a few shares, so they, they raised I think a few thousand, not not much, because it's it was one of the first, and there was also uh, a company who who is doing uh, vaporizers, so they also did an IPO using Cronot coins, and uh, I think there was uh, maybe one or two others and uh so there are more coming uh in the next uh few weeks actually but i cannot really talk about it right now because it's still confidential but there are more coming and because vaporizers are at the limit of legality right <laughs> yeah yeah vaporizers they <laughs> yeah. uh they actually only make sales in bitcoin so that's why uh they don't even have a bank account so oh yeah of course <laughs> Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, so yeah, more crowd sales coming. And also, uh, there, there's also a few other companies, which I, again, I cannot really talk about, but they're also building services on top of colored coins.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was just looking at this clipped thing. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. I, I like it. And I think it's especially great that you have some sort of, uh, you know, brick and mortar, simple business, like, um,
0: like that. As, as one of the first
1: projects. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've... Uh, we're coming to the end of our show. Um, where can we... Where can we reach you?
2: So, you can uh, follow uh, us on Twitter. So, at CoinPrism. And uh, there we also have a blog where we post uh, our updates. So, blog.coinprism.com. And... Um, uh, yeah, that's basically it. And then if you want to check out CoinPrism, it's uh, coinprism.com.
0: Awesome. And I'll also link to the to the open uh, assets uh, protocol in the show notes and uh, all the things that we talked about in today's show. So if you want to find out, you can find it uh, on our website or on our SoundCloud page.
1: And yeah, thanks very much for joining us today. That was, it was really interesting to talk about it. And uh, I, I think I... I must say, I I see some more uh some more benefits to coin you know, like as as opposed to the other protocols. I guess it would be really interesting to see how this is going to turn out because there's there's you know, so much competition in this space, so much activity, and um, yeah, and it's exciting to see what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, and thank you for having me on the show. Okay, well, thanks so much for for listening in. Um, we'll be back next week and if you, if you want to support the show what you can do is you can leave us an itunes review that helps new people find the show and you can let us know how we're doing you could also follow us on twitter at epicenter and of course we very much appreciate donations in Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, and so far no colored coins. But perhaps if Sebastian creates the epicenter Bitcoin colored coin, then you can buy that and donate it back to us or something. Yeah, why not? And And, uh, you can do that at epicenterbitcoin.com slash tips. So thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week.